looking forward to 2019. Let's uh, look at Luke chapter 2. We are looking at the last of the four Christmas songs in the Gospel of uh, Luke. And this morning we are going to be looking at verses 25 through 35. Uh, Jesus is uh, bringing or is coming to the temple. His uh, mother and father are bringing Jesus. He's uh, eight year, eight days old right, right now, and uh, bringing him before the Lord. He's going to be circumcised, and we're picking it up in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and he was a man. He, and Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon is an old man, and uh, we're not sure when the Lord promised uh, Simeon that he would see the consolation of Israel, but Simeon believed it in his heart. He knew that God was going to fulfill this promise, and so he was anticipating, the Bible says, uh, the, the presence of the Lord's Christ. And this idea of waiting, uh, anticipating, is this idea of being alert, of being ready to welcome him every day when Simeon came to the temple, he's thinking to himself, is this the day? Uh, he's, he's waiting with great anticipation. He is fully alert. It's kind of like my daughter Allison when she was three years old. Um, she was waiting with great anticipation for Nana and Papa to come. They were coming for Christmas one December, and Allison was so um, excited about them coming that she wouldn't eat her dinner. She refused to eat her dinner. I think Susan may have been cooking uh, liver and onions that day. I'm not sure. But she didn't want to have anything to do with that dinner. And we told Allison, Allison, if you don't eat your dinner, 
you're not going to get a happy meal from Nana and Papa because you don't want to eat her dinner because she knew Nana and Papa was going to take her to McDonald's for a happy meal. You know that stubborn little girl refused to take a bite. And by the time Nana and Papa got there, you know, this young mom and dad with this little three-year-old girl, we were fit to be tied. And we told Nana and Papa that she can't go to McDonald's for a Happy Meal because she didn't eat her dinner. Well, Nana and Papa came. They took Allison. Allison spent the night with Nana and Papa. And guess what Nana and Papa did? (laughs) Yes, they did. And, you know, as parents, we weren't very happy about that. But, you know, as grandparents now... We kind of understand things. <laughs> so Allison had that great anticipation on that particular night, but when it comes to Simeon, it's a little different. He's been waiting a long time. And every day in that waiting, Simeon is absolutely alert. He is ready, and he doesn't miss the opportunity when Jesus finally Comes. He recognizes the baby, and he says this. It says this in verse 26 again, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parent, parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, he knew exactly who this infant child was. And Simeon was not at a loss for words. You know, sometimes when you, you hold a new newborn baby, um, someone who's not their parents, sometimes you don't know what to say. But not for Simeon. He knew exactly what to say. And we we see Simeon's song here in Luke chapter 2. And it's a song of worship. And there's some, a couple things that, that um, Simeon sh- shows us, shares with us in this song of worship. And the first is that this is... Israel's, this is the Gentiles, this is the world's salvation. He speaks of salvation, not only for the children of Israel, but for all people, Gentiles as well as Jews. And this baby who has come into the temple is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. God is faithful. And yes, it took a long time for God to fulfill His promise, but God is never late, church. Yeah, you may have to wait a while, but God always comes on time. And God fulfills, God follows through with what he says he's going to do. And Simeon sees this baby, this Christ child, and he knows it is the Lord's salvation. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. 
that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people. The salvation church isn't just for people who are Jewish, who are religious, who got their act together maybe. No, this salvation is for people who don't have their act together, who are on the outside looking in, who are Gentiles, not just Jews. This salvation is for everyone. This is this baby is our salvation. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And Simeon understands this. He is the Lord's salvation. Now, how is he going to save? Simeon really doesn't go into these kinds of details. Simeon may not be so sure himself as to how God is going to say. And so, but Simeon gives us some hints of how God's going to do it, but it looks really fuzzy. And so here is the first part of Simeon's song. It's a, it's a song of worship, of salvation, but then it's also a song of praise. And it's a song of suffering. It's a prophesy, it's, he's prophesying as to how he is going to suffer. Look at verses 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." This child is a sign. The Bible says, For this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. What's sign mean? Sign is miracle. And it's not miracles demonstrating its his power, but it's miracles revealing the truth of who this baby actually is. And if you were here with us this summer, when we went through the I Believe series, we looked at seven miracles in the book of John. We're very familiar with those miracles. But underneath each of those miracles, John was trying to point out to us in particular who this Jesus is. What is his nature? What is his character? Why did he come? And that's what Simeon is referring to him. There is divine truth in this Christ child. And people are going to be diametrically opposed to this truth. Some people are going to agree with him, and some people are going to disagree with him. And then he tells Mary in verse 35, 
and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary, this baby that you adore, that you've longed for, this baby's going to break your heart by how people treat him in the end. And again, we don't have the details of his suffering. It's kind of fuzzy in this passage of Scripture. And, but in order to understand this text, you have to know the story of Luke. And Luke just doesn't leave it here. Luke is going to be very careful at taking us down the road of Jesus' ministry 33 years later as to how Jesus is going to fulfill this prophecy in Luke chapter 2. And so in order to understand the story of Christmas, you've got to know the story of Easter. You see, Christmas isn't about just a baby in a cradle. The story of Christmas points us to Easter. And so if you want to understand the heart of Christmas, it's all about Easter. And so I want us to go to Luke chapter 23 this morning. And Luke is very careful to describe uh, in, uh, as Jesus is suffering on that cross how he is fulfilling Simeon's prophecy in Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> and so what I'd like to begin with is reading verses 32 through 47 of Luke chapter 23. The Bible says this, Two others who were criminals were led away to to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, 
And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this was an innocent man. Let's understand the prophecy of Simeon in Luke chapter 2 this morning by looking at the Easter story. Jesus is suffering on the cross. And now we don't have a whole lot of details like we have in other uh, parts of Gospels about the crucifixion of Christ. But but Luke is pointing out um, um, the, the emotional... Um, conflict that's taking place um, between two different people groups in this passage of Scripture. And while Jesus is being mocked on the cross, Jesus is at the same time saving. He's being salvation to the criminal who's on his right, who understands his sinfulness, who understands who this Jesus is who's dying next to him and begs Jesus, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus promises and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is being uh, salvation here in this very moment. But here we see in this text, in Luke chapter 23, that hearts are being revealed. Because back in Luke chapter 2, last part of verse 35, Simeon says that there are going to, that the thoughts from many hearts are going to be revealed. And we see these hearts revealed in this passage of Scripture. We see soldiers who uh, are mocking Jesus. He's king of the Jews. And they're certainly not treating him as a, as a king. We see scoffers on the ground saying, If you're God, save yourself. Come down from that cross. We see one of the criminals d- dying next to Jesus, mocking Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're your Savior, you're God, save yourself, save us. And we see the heart of man in this passage of Scripture. Jesus also has his followers there. Jesus' mother is there. Mary Magdalene is there. The Apostle John is there. And people know their hearts as well. And they hurt with Jesus as they are watching 
not only their friend, but their Lord and Savior dying for their uh, own sin. But hearts are being revealed in this passage of Scripture. And we think that Jesus, well, this is the bottom for Jesus. You know, Jesus came into the world in a very humble way. He was born in a stable or he was born in a cave. He didn't have a bed. He was laid in in a feeding trough. I mean, that was pretty low. But church, as we study Jesus' life, Jesus is going to go even lower and giving all of himself giving all of himself up for our salvation. And as we see Jesus hanging here on the cross, guess what? Jesus is at the bottom of humanity. It doesn't get any lower than that. Well, it's about to get even lower. Not only is Jesus hanging there, he's being mocked. But Jesus has absolutely nothing left as far as physical things. They've even taken his clothes. Jesus is hanging there naked, and there are soldiers on the the ground uh, gambling for Jesus' clothing. But still not the bottom. Though we see hearts revealed in this passage of Scripture, when it comes to Jesus' suffering, the Bible says in Luke chapter 23, there was in the sixth hour darkness that came over the whole land. It is the middle of day. It is noon. And the Bible says that between noon and 3 p.m., Jesus hung there in absolute darkness. What does this darkness symbolize? Well, if you know anything about the Old Testament and the plagues that occurred in in the book of uh, Exodus with the Egyptian people, the ninth plague was the plague of darkness. And it symbolized impending judgment. And the Bible says when that plague came upon Egypt, Egypt was in complete darkness for three days. And it was only the Egyptians. I don't know how God did it, but for the Israelites that there were there in Egypt, they didn't experience that darkness. They didn't experience that plague, that judgment. They were in the daylight, but for the Egyptians, it was complete darkness. Have you ever gone a long period of time without seeing the sun? You know, I I grew up in Fresno, and uh, it can get foggy in Fresno. And I remember growing up, I was in the elementary school at the time, And it was foggy in Fresno for two solid weeks. 
And we didn't see the sun for two solid weeks. And it got kind of depressing. And when that sun finally came out, boy, we were all shouting hallelujah. And maybe you've been up in the upper northwest and, uh, you know, it can rain for two weeks straight and you never see the sun. Well, that's one kind of darkness, but this was a different kind of darkness. This was a complete darkness. You couldn't even see in front of your hand. It was utter darkness for three days, and it was a sign of what was to come. And what was to come was in the tenth plague. The tenth plague being um, um, the death of the firstborn son if people didn't obey God's word. And the only way people could avoid the the death of one's firstborn son was through the sacrifice of a lamb. And if that family in that household sacrificed that lamb and took the blood and put the blood on the doorpost of that home, The Bible says the death angel pass over that home and everyone in that house would be spared. The firstborn son would be spared. He would continue to live. And so here we see in Luke chapter 23, darkness in the middle of the day. And what's happening here is God, God the Father, has turned his back on God the Son. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus, is hanging on that cross all alone. Even his Father has turned his back on the Son. The Son has been separated from the Father. He has never experienced this his entire life, nor was he anticipating it. In his humanity, oh, in his sovereignty as God, yes, he knew this was going to happen, but in his humanity, it caught him completely by surprise, and he cries from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is the bottom. Jesus came down to suffer. Suffer through being mocked. Suffer by dying in complete darkness. It was in this time, in this darkness, that the Bible says that Jesus breathed his last. And God didn't spare his son. Not like the firstborn sons that were spared in the book of Exodus here on the cross. Jesus' life was not spared. But the Lamb of God, 
was being sacrificed. He became the sacrificial lamb. And so, church, this is the story. This is the heart of Christmas. That God came down into our darkness. And it was pretty dark in Bethlehem. I mean, you can't be born someplace any lower than a stable. In a smelly, gross stable. That's pretty low. It's pretty dark. But when Jesus comes down to earth into our darkness, he's going to go into even further darkness as we see in Luke chapter 23. For our salvation. This is the meaning of Christmas. In order to understand Christmas, you need to understand Easter. Jesus knows darkness. And he's overcome it. And he, and you know what? We're all susceptible to that darkness. Emotional darkness. Spiritual darkness, physical darkness. And God is here this morning wanting all of us to know that Jesus understands darkness. And when we're in that darkness, he wants us to have his perspective of your situation, of your circumstances. I've got a little video I want to share with you, and it's entitled, God Came Down. Let's watch this. I know it's no one's fault. It's no one's fault that someone is born with with a disability, but then you still feel like, why did this happen to us? Welcome to all of you. Please take a seat. We want to now share a nativity treat. This story of Christmas, we tell it in rhyme. Some actors have lines, while some of us mime. I was overwhelmed with grief um, at the loss. I thought a beautiful baby has got Down syndrome and it's such a disaster. Meanwhile, great Caesar, Augustus, in Rome, made a decree, return to your home. For Joseph, this ruling meant Bethlehem town, so they rode on their donkey all the way down. God didn't give me a straightforward answer of why this happened. It just took time for me to realize God's answer was, wasn't so much that it was wrong with Levi as much as there was something wrong with the way I was thinking. Mary was speechless. She didn't know how these things should happen, but still she bowed. I think of Mary, of all she goes through. It's not her plan, it's God's plan. She just goes with it. She's humble, she's calm. 
she's reassured by the fact that everything's going to be okay. Boy, he has remembered me, his lonely servant. From now on, all the people will call me happy. He has brought down my teaching from the road and lift up the lowly. What we learned um, was that God was with us. God suffered with us. And, um, and he gave us the most beautiful child and there was no reason for me to grieve or prepare her or you know um, you know feel sorry for her you know, in my own view before she taught me I thought she would lack she's not lacking so gathered around that we baby boy all people are welcome no heaven's joy from angels to donkeys from shepherds to king the little old Jesus God's welcome he brings. He came to our darkness from heaven above. He skipped to the crib and the cross as a blood. He shared in our weakness and weakness and death, and still he embraced us nevertheless. If you're feeling rejected, excluded as the manger, remember the one who came down to the manger. that a beautiful story the poem goes again he came to our darkness from heaven above he stooped to the crib into the cross out of love he shared in our weakness and meekness and mess and still he embraced us nevertheless if you're feeling rejected excluded a stranger remember the one who came down to the manger church that's what Christmas is all about. It's, Christmas isn't for the people who have their, their, their act together, the people who are well, who don't need a physician, who thinks they can do it all by themselves. Christmas is for those who hurt, who understand darkness. who understand the consequences of their sin and our need of a Savior. That is Jesus. In spite of the messes that you've made, God loves you so very much. And He wants you to trust Him, to know Him. Because he understands your darkness. He is your salvation. And so we see in Luke chapter 23, hearts are being revealed. He's raising up some. Others are falling because they don't believe the truth or they do believe the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus understands darkness. He came down to us. And the third thing we see in Luke chapter 23 is God vandalized the temple. When Jesus breathed his last, 
Bible says in Luke here that God, from the top to the bottom, tore open the temple veil. No longer was there going to be a, a curtain, a thick curtain of separation between God and man. Heaven was, the, the, the doors of heaven were blown wide open. It, heaven is made available to all who choose to believe in what Jesus did for them on the cross. God is saying as he's torn that temple veil that the temple is now obsolete. No more sacrifices required. Jesus is the eternal temple. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul tells us that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Shekinah glory now can dwell in you and I. We have access to God through the person of Jesus Christ as we choose to go through that narrow door of faith in believing that only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to the Father. And when we surrender ourselves to that truth, we have access to God. This is the message of Christmas. It's all about Easter. For in church, for us to know this and for us to appreciate this, we've got to learn to pause. We can't race through life thinking that we'll just figure it out on our own. No, God has given us a book of instructions. And when we pause, not just seasonally, not just once or twice a year, but if we sacrificially pause each and every weekend, we take the Sabbath seriously and focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and we get to know Him and we learn and grow with God's people and become more and more like Jesus Christ. Guess what? We get Christmas. We understand what Christmas is all about. And when darkness comes personally, and friend, it's going to come personally, we know that we don't suffer alone. We serve the only God that understands darkness and overcame it itself. And he is, becomes that sympathetic high priest that we can go to with anything because he understands. He's been there himself. This is Christmas. And this is for every one of us. Let's celebrate. 
Let's thank God for his great salvation in God, his son, Jesus. Let's pray. God, we know that it's Christ alone. Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, Yahweh, came in the flesh for our salvation and suffered. Even though he did nothing wrong, he suffered. He took the punishment that we deserved. Lord, this is Christmas. Thank you for coming down, God, and living in our mess. God, I know that there are some messes in this room. Because I are one of them. But I thank you that you're a God who's so very patient and so very loving. And through your kindness and your goodness are wooing us to yourself. We might believe. God, it's only through your grace. And if you're here this morning without a relationship with Jesus, but today you know that you need him, you need him in your darkness, that he might become your light, that you might become one of the children of light. Friend, this morning, that's his grace. He's extending your grace, his grace through your faith to believe. That's his gift. Don't ignore that. Tell him today that you believe. Ask him to forgive you. Commit yourself to take this time daily to get to know him. Learn to pause and hear his voice. Lord, I thank you for this time of invitation. Lord, I know there's people here who are in their own particular darkness. But thank you that Jesus, your name is Emmanuel, and you are with them, you are with us, and we can trust you. God, help us to have the faith and the sight of Simeon to see you and not let you pass by. That God, you might help. Lord, be glorified in this time of invitation as we worship you, that you alone are God. Without Christ, we are absolutely hopeless and lost. In 
Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing?